Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply and we're off another week of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Oklahoma City. How about that? Not, mm. uh, not Norman anymore. How's that, ta- how's that taste for you? What Moving you up in the world, huh? Yeah, you know, hey. You know, hey. You, sometimes you make some uh, changes that improve your lifestyle, and I tell you that this is one of them right here. So, uh, yeah. From now on, it'll be Oklahoma City and not Norman, but BK will still be in Austin, Texas, I'm going to guess. And uh, what a wild weekend, the Big 12. I mean, you hear all the time, like, such and such team gave the game away this weekend. But I don't think anybody's ever given a game away like K-State gave the game away to OSU. Literally, Mm. their quarterback gave them the ball, gave them a touchdown to win the game on Saturday in Manhattan. K-State had OSU dead to rights, shut them out in the first half, and uh, wow, just you know what at the bed in the second half, dude. Yeah, the trials and tribulations of playing with a freshman quarterback. That's what K-State is going through right now. And Will Howard did some really, really good things on Saturday. And he's done some really, really good things this year, right? I mean, that dude was thrown to the wolves. He wasn't expecting to play, I'd imagine, at all this season. You got Skylar Thompson, a senior who's been there forever. Just kind of figured he was going to take every snap at quarterback for K-State. He goes down with the season-ending injury a couple of weeks ago. And in comes Will Howard. And he played pretty well over his first couple of weeks, but we saw it in Morgantown last Saturday, some costly turnovers, some inaccurate balls, and we saw it obviously on Saturday blowing that 12 to nothing halftime lead against Oklahoma State. You mentioned it, coughing it up, the scoop and score. I don't know if you call it a scoop and score. The the, the ball was literally gifted right to uh, the Oklahoma State player, but that was in the red zone. So K-State, it looked like they were going to extend their lead and maybe put Oklahoma State away and keep their Big 12 title hopes alive. But then you have the uh, the turnover for the touchdown. And obviously, K-State does go back. Will Howard leaves the Touchdown drive with K-State down eight, but they can't convert the two-point conversion. They get one more opportunity in the final minutes, but Will Howard throws the ball that he doesn't need to throw, right? He takes a shot on first down down the field, overthrows his receiver, and that leads to the game-ending interception. So he did some good things on Saturday. Uh, His legs were really, really important. I mean, this dude's going to be a problem, I think, for the next couple of years in the Big 12. But as a true freshman, the turnovers are absolutely killing him. They are absolutely killing K-State. And once again, they might have cost themselves a shot in the title game with uh, with that collapse on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly what happened. And Oklahoma State was on the brink of having to win Bedlam and Norman, something that they don't do on the reg. 
to make it to the Big 12 championship game, and they were able to barely escape that one. So K-State just can't throw the ball, man. Um, they, they've got difficulties doing that consistently. And Deuce Vaughn, he's he's been neutralized over the past few weeks, has he not? Yeah, it feels like he sort of hit that freshman wall, right? And I don't know how much of this is on him or defenses are starting to put more of an emphasis on stopping the run, right? They're seeing something on film that maybe they can attack with Deuce Vaughn. But, no, it's been, what, three or four weeks in a row where he's been almost a non-factor for this K-State offense. And he really burst on the scene, the true freshman out of Central Texas. I mean, what he was doing over the first month of the season was pretty damn spectacular. You were getting all the Darren Sproles comparisons and – it was hard to argue against them the way he was playing. But, yeah, the last couple of weeks haven't been the same for Deuce Vaughn. And K-State just hasn't been able to impose its will physically the way that they did the first month of the season. right? And that's kind of a staple of Bill Snyder, K-State teams. Hell, that was sort of a staple with K-State last year in year one of Chris Kleiman. We saw that for the first month of this season. But their offensive line isn't dominating as much as it did. And, yeah, I think you could make a case for the freshman wall that uh, Deuce Vaughn might be hitting right now because he has definitely slowed down. I think everybody just expected K-State to go quietly into the night, just away for the rest of the season after they got beat by West Virginia. On my show on Friday, I picked Oklahoma State to win, but I picked him to win a hard-fought game. This spread was like all the way up to like around 14 on Saturday. But I just wonder if this was K-State's return like, all right, we've got one more good game in us. We've got one more big fight in us. I, I guess what I'm saying is, I almost expect them to go quietly into the night now, even though they're a tough football team, even though they're a well-coached football team. At Ames, at Waco, won't even be easy. And then Texas at home, it's – boy, I just I just don't see K-State having that much success from here on out. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, I think they're definitely going to win that game in Waco. Who knows what will happen for Farmageddon in a couple of weeks. I mean, Iowa State doesn't look as good as a lot of people thought they would going into this season. So maybe they can find a win there. You know, Texas is beatable, right? Every game Texas plays in comes down to the wire. It's a one possession contest. So I wouldn't count K-State plus the Longhorns really, really struggle up there in Manhattan. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a way K-State could win all three of those games. But, uh, yeah, if they go one and two, I don't think anybody would be too surprised. And Saturday has to feel like a, a golden opportunity missed for the Purple Cats. That one hurts. I don't know how much of that game that you watched. Um, Texas played an 11, so I'm sure you're doing a post-game show and watching it. When, when do we finally say that Spencer Sanders is not the player that we thought he was going to be? Ah, man, I don't know. And I wonder what the conversations are in Stillwater this week, right? Cause, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a small sample size of Shane Illingworth, and he wasn't going up against really good teams by any stretch of the imagination. But he looked pretty impressive, and Spencer Sanders has not looked all that impressive this year. Uh, the good thing, no turnovers. Am I making that up on Saturday? No, I mean, he did. yeah, he didn't have any interceptions. He didn't have any fumbles. Did Oklahoma State at all? Yeah, OSU as a team didn't have any turnovers. Yeah, they so won the turnover battle. Isn't this crazy? They won the turnover battle 2 to nothing against a team they were a 14-point favorite against and barely clawed their way out of that game. Yeah. Like That's that's kind of scary. I mean, Spencer Sanders threw for 108 yards. Who's yeah. the last OSU quarterback to only throw for 108 yards? Yeah, especially in a win, right? That's a, yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, that's been the biggest issue for Spencer Sanders, right, the giveaways. He didn't do that on Saturday, but he did not look very impressive on Saturday. Chuba Hubbard obviously getting hurt early on made things a little bit tougher for Oklahoma State. L.D. Brown, I thought, did a great job in relief. Yeah. I think he's a really, really talented running back, one of the best number two running backs into this conference, if not in all of college football. 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to make a move right now because they still control their own destiny to get to Arlington mm-hmm. this year. So it'd be weird to make a change at quarterback. Now they do have a bye week coming up. So if they did want to do something, maybe they could work on it this week. But considering they've got Oklahoma uh, their next game two weeks from now. I don't know if they want to throw a true freshman into the fire. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we were talking about the leash for Spencer Sanders a couple of weeks ago after the performance against Texas, and now I feel like the conversations linger after the mediocre play we saw from him on Saturday. So I don't think a move's going to be made, but your question of, eh, is Spencer Sanders not the guy a lot of people thought he would be? I think that's a, a relevant question today. Yeah, I mean, even if they go to Norman and lose, which I I think that kind of everybody expects that right now with the way that OU's playing, the way that OSU's playing, the history of that rivalry, there's not going to be very many people that pick OSU in that game in two weeks. But even if they lose that game, they still are in a pretty good position having wins over Iowa State and Kansas State. The problem is they're going to need Texas to to, to lose a game. But OSU's still – I mean, OSU's sitting better than anybody else in the league right now. Um, as things stand today with like three games left for most teams. Yeah, I mean, they are, what, tied atop the standings in the Big 12. I guess they're technically a half game back of Iowa State, right? Iowa yeah, State's Iowa five State and one. games, yeah. Oklahoma State's four and one. They had that game against Baylor postponed, which I think we all expect Oklahoma State to win when it does happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still in a really good spot. And, once again, Texas could easily slip up in one of its final three games. So even if Oklahoma State does lose the, lose the Bedlam game, uh, their chances to get to Arlington and compete for their first conference championship in Big 12 history are still alive. Now, I know that game isn't until the following Saturday, November, what is it, 22nd, 21st? Sounds good. Yeah, let's go around 20, there. 20 seconds. 20 seconds sounds good. Yeah, 14. That's a lot of days, man. I'm not good at counting. Uh, what do we think the line's going to be? Like the opening spread for that game is going to be obviously Oklahoma is going to be favored, but is it going to be by a touchdown? Is it going to be double digits? Like I think I'm picking Oklahoma to win that game going away. So whatever it is, I'll probably call oh, you it minus eight, dozen. maybe eight. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't hate that. I'm just curious where Vegas is with these two teams because yeah. you're right. I mean, it feels like Oklahoma is trending in the right direction. They they did what they were supposed to do against Kansas on Saturday. They were dominant against the Jayhawks there. So it feels like Oklahoma's playing some good football, and that's really three complete games they've played in a row. And, yeah, Oklahoma State, the loss to Texas last weekend, uh, needing a miracle comeback and a couple of gifts to beat a good K-State team, but, you know, not a great K-State team this weekend. feels like the teams are kind of trending in opposite directions. You mentioned the history of the rivalry. You mentioned the games in Norman. Like, I – Whatever the line starts at, I think it's going to go up over the course of the week. Like, I think the money's going to come in on Oklahoma because I think a lot of people are seeing what we're seeing with these two teams. I, uh, I, I, I didn't get to watch a ton of the OSU game. It was going on at the same time as uh, OSU Kansas uh, or OU Kansas, sorry. But people were saying that Mike Gundy looked miserable during that game. Did, did, did you notice that? He, he's looked miserable all year long, man. Like, I, I can't figure it out. He doesn't show a lot of, like, fiery emotion anymore, right? When you think Mike Gundy, you think of the I'm a man, I'm 40, just that yeah. fire, that craziness, play in and play out. Like, he's been pretty stone-faced all year, even when things are going well for Oklahoma State, right? Even when they were getting off to the great start to the season they were getting off to and they were number six in the country at one point. Like, you weren't seeing the standard Mike Gundy emotion that you would normally get, so – he did look miserable on Saturday, but he, it's been seemingly all year long that he's looked uh, pretty miserable for Oklahoma State. I, I can't figure out why that is or what's going on there. Moving on, we're going to let BK play the role of Mike Pereira 
BK is sitting nah. in the booth. There's 444 left in the game, and West Virginia just throws an incomplete pass. But there could have been holding or pass interference on the play. Brad Pereira, should there have been a flag thrown on that play? Uh, that feels like an insult compared to me to Mike Pereira, man. Come on. Although that dude might have the best job in the world, right? Mike Pereira, uh, John Perry, uh, Gene Steratore, all of those officiating analysts. Those guys get paid, I'm sure, six figures, if not more, to just comment once or twice a game about yeah. the officiating. And they don't have to get the call right, right? Like, they can be completely wrong as long as they sort of know the rules and just say something that sounds kind of important and eloquent, uh, then they, they get their paycheck. So maybe I wouldn't uh, hate being called Mike Pereira because I wouldn't mind that job that he's got. Uh, Texas fan here, Texas grad here, guy who covers Texas. That absolutely was a pass interference. That should have been No question about that. And we, we never got, for some reason, we never got a real good close-up replay. Like you almost would have thought Longhorn Network was carrying the game with the lack of <laughs> close-up replays we got from ABC on Saturday. But no, that that I mean, Chris Brown was all over. Uh, who was it? Was it Winston? I can't even remember who the receiver was on that play. But a flag should have been thrown there. And every 50-50 call went Texas's way on Saturday. So conspiracy theories are abound, right? They always are when Texas gets the benefit of a whistle. Oh, the conference is protecting Texas. And, oh, the Longhorns still have a chance to get to Arlington. So we got to make sure they can get to Arlington because that's the best thing for our league. Uh, it's hard to poo-poo and shut down those haters and those conspiracy theorists after some of the calls that went the Longhorns' way on Saturday. Now, I will say, all game long – both ways, the officials were letting a lot of contact happen in the secondary. Like I, you could argue yeah. they should have thrown more flags on both teams for pass interference over the course of the game. But that one, by far and away, the most egregious. And obviously the fact that it happened with less than five minutes to go on a fourth down and West Virginia never saw the football again makes that one the, uh, the most egregious miss by far. So, yeah, West Virginia fans feeling that they got screwed in Austin on Saturday, and I, I can't blame them. Neil Brown should have done the classic Mark Mangino rant at Kansas. That's right. BCS. Dollar signs. That's what he should have done. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been great. Yeah, but, you what, know. Yeah, it, yeah, good. It's, I mean, for West Virginia, yeah, you can complain about the officiating. And, and you probably should complain about the officiating. But still, that's a game that they should have won. And some of the play calling for the Mountaineers down the stretch. I mean, they completely abandoned their running game. Give yeah, Texas a ton of credit. I mean, West Virginia is one of the best rushing offenses and in, in really all of college football, but especially in the Big 12. Uh, they only ran for 43 yards on Saturday on 26 carries, right? Less, Less than two yards. yards carry, yeah, yeah, you could tell Letty Brown was banged up, which I think impacted the West Virginia play calling. But, you know, Alex Sinkfield's a pretty good running back. Like West Virginia had back-to-back fourth and ones in that fourth quarter. They went for it both times, which – some people will say they should have kicked it. I don't. I like the decisions to go for it. But the fact that they didn't feel confident enough in their running game to pick up one yard, right? They had two fourth and ones, and they threw it with Jared Dagey, who's an average to maybe slightly above average quarterback. Yeah. Like, that's what Texas wanted. They wanted Jared Dagey to have to beat them. And for some reason, West Virginia just allowed that to happen. So, I mean, so many missed opportunities, right? Five trips into the red zone for West Virginia. They only scored one touchdown. That's a game that they feel like they should have won. So once again, the officiating did not help them at all. They got screwed on a couple of calls. And, you know, who knows what happens if they do get that pass interference call in the end zone. They've got a first and goal with the chance to take the lead in the final five minutes of the game. So maybe you could say, yeah, if they get that call, they win the football game. But 
I mean, that, they had so many other opportunities, and they just consistently shot themselves in the foot once they got down to the red area. Uh, you're not going to win a lot of games scoring only 13 points in this league. Unless you're the head coach of Marshall, beating West Virginia will never save your job. But you told me that the fan base is kind of split last week. Half wanted to try to win out. Half just want to lose and get rid of Tom Herman. Did that number creep into more of the majority of Texas fans just saying, ah, let's just go ahead and win out after beating West Virginia? Where's where's everybody at after that? I still break? think there's there's a pretty good mix, Tyler. I really yeah. do. I mean, Texas has won three in a row, right? They, they went into this streak after their two-game losing streak to TCU in Oklahoma, knowing that, hey, we've got to win out to even have a chance to get to the Big 12 championship game this year. They needed to win six in a row. They're halfway there. They're halfway there. So they still very much have a chance to get to Arlington at the end of the year. And, and Tyler, you know, the thing is, if Texas does win out, if they do find their way to Arlington, even if they don't win that Big 12 championship game, I don't think they're going to make a move. And I don't know how you can make a move. Now, there's obviously some other factors that have come into play this year, whether it's the struggles on the recruiting trail, whether yeah. it's the whole Eyes of Texas debacle that was completely butchered by Tom Herman in terms of the way he handled things. Like, those were unforeseen circumstances. But I think if you asked 95% of Texas – if you asked every Texas fan, 95% of them would have taken 8-2 and two and a trip in the Big 12 championship game or a trip to the Big 12 championship game, which is still very much on the table for the Longhorns this year. So to answer your question, this fan base is still pretty split. And even though Texas has won three games in a row, I don't feel – a whole lot more confident in Tom Herman being the right guy to lead this program beyond this year. And I think there's a lot of Longhorn fans who agree with me there. But once again, it, it sort of feels like if Tom Herman does run the table, he's going to keep his job. The question is, if he loses one, is that is that the dagger, right? I mean, if he goes seven and three, which isn't a really, really bad season, and he still has a pretty hefty buyout, and there's not a ton of hot commodities on the coaching market right now. Yeah. Uh, but if he does go seven and three – and just misses the Big 12 title game, does he still lose his job? I think the answer to that is probably yes at this point. But uh, who knows, man? Who knows what happens over these final four weeks of the season? Hey, I want to remind you guys that In Defense of the Big 12 is sponsored by American Betting Experts. It's one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States, and we have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com, Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page and pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. And hey, join us in the comments section. Let's go. I don't know if Spartan Martin's out there just hanging out, listening. I know it's a Monday, but come on. Okay, there we go. Asking you shall receive. Right on cue. All right, I'll, uh, I'll read this one. It's a UT-related question. Harrison says, as a Texas fan, the last two weeks, Texas didn't deserve to win either game. Same mistakes over and over. The other team shot themselves in the foot. Look, I will say one thing that Texas has done a great job of during this three-game winning streak, especially the last two games, right, the win in Stillwater and then the win against West Virginia in Austin on Saturday, they have really limited the self-inflicted wounds. Uh, no turnovers in either of the last two games. Texas only had four penalties against West Virginia. You could say they should have had five with the uh, pass yeah. interference call. But they only had four penalties for 45 yards, both of those season lows for the Longhorns. So, 
yeah, you could definitely say that Texas is fortunate to have won their last two games. I mean, Oklahoma State, four turnovers. You had the roughing the punter penalty. I mean, they damn near gave Texas that one last weekend. And then West Virginia going one for five in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. You could argue that they gave Texas, or at least did a lot of things to help give Texas the victory on Saturday. So the Longhorns, I don't know if Tom Herman made a deal with the devil or made a deal with an angel or made a deal with who knows, but uh, the breaks have gone Texas's way over the last two weeks. There's no doubt about that. I mean, and and that's what Texas is. It's not a 2020 Longhorn thing. It's a Tom Herman Longhorn thing, Tyler, Mm -hmm. Uh, over the last three years. So since 2018, which was year two for Tom Herman, the Longhorns have played in more one-possession games than any team in college football. Not any team in the Big 12, any team in college wow. football. They played in 22 one-possession games uh, over the last three years. They're 13-9 and nine in those games. So I guess they've come out on the winning side more often than not. But that's what the Longhorns are, man. They, they play in these close games, and sometimes it's, hey, can you, la- can you make less mistakes? And if you do that, you put yourself in a position to win. And that's really what Texas has done over the last two weeks. I don't know if yeah. they've made more winning plays than either of the teams they've gone up against, but they've made less mistakes than the two teams they've gone up against. And that's why they've won those last two games. Well, yeah. So last week, it's we're talking about OU and Kansas. There's no interesting storylines to OU and Kansas. So we're looking at kind of looking forward. Like, okay, OU's got a legit chance to make the Big 12 championship game. Who do you want to play? Well, I'd want to play Kansas State the most because I just think that they're not very good offensively right now. I'd welcome playing Iowa State, even though you've, they've, they've played you pretty well over the past few years. Um, rematch with Oklahoma State, cool. Oklahoma State in an even bigger game than what you're going to play them in a couple weeks. We're good about that. <laughs> maybe this will flatter you. Maybe it won't. I don't know. The, the one team that I don't want to play in the Big 12 championship game is Texas. I, don't, I, I see that game every single year in Dallas. I don't want to face Sam Ellinger again. I know how that football game goes, even when you're by far and away the better team. Give me Iowa State. Give me K-State. Give me OSU. Hell, give me an all-star team of those three squads right there. I, I, don't, I don't want to play Texas in Arlington. Yeah, I don't uh, want to do it. Just, just because of the history of the rivalry yeah, I and mean, the fact that that game's always and, close. And you know what? When OU and Texas played in the Big 12 title game in 2018, I've never seen OU fans – hate like a trio from Texas as much as Tom Herman, Sam Ellinger, and Brecken Hager. I mean, those three right yeah. there, OU fans just despise those three. Brecken Hager, Sam Ellinger, Tom Herman. But people still hate Brecken Hager around here. Don't get me wrong. And they definitely hate Tom Herman. But I think, and I, and I really never seen this before, the entire OU fan base will say, yeah, Texas sucks. We hate him. But we got a lot of respect for Sam Ellinger over here. Kid's a warrior. He's a fighter. He leaves it all out on the field. Like I, I've heard every OU fan bring up Sam Ellinger and say exactly that. Like they respect him. So if Texas wins out, do I think that all of a sudden they're the better team than OU? No. Would I pick them to win the game? No. But I don't want to play those guys. I don't want to play Sam Ellinger again, dude. Because I, I, you're going to get their best shot and. They're going to have a great chance to maybe win in the fourth quarter. I, I want no part of it. Sorry. Yeah, the, the respect thing you talk about with Sam Ellinger is interesting because uh, I definitely did not hear that leading up to the game this year. And I don't think I would have heard that if Texas beat Oklahoma in this year's game. It feels like to me that Sam Ellinger is the most hated quarterback, most hated Texas quarterback in the history of that rivalry. He, he kinda, was. That's the thing. weird because he, he hasn't. He was. He's only beaten OU once over his yeah. career. It's like, it's not like. Like I would understand if he was like four and one against Oklahoma and you're like, dude, the hell with this guy. But it's he hasn't, you know, he's kept Texas in those games, obviously, but he hasn't had a ton of success in terms of the win-loss ledger 
in those games, yet it feels like he's the most despised Texas quarterback for OU fans. So, yeah, he, he probably was at one point. I don't know. Chris Sims is always going to have a special place in OU fans' hearts. I oh, mean, yeah. Always. I mean, that's – like, I, I don't know if it was more hate or more make fun of, but whatever it was, nobody will ever replace Chris Sims for OU fans in this rivalry, how much fun they had with him. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting. I mean, th- there's obviously a path where Texas and Oklahoma can play again, which – I think is what a lot of us expected when the Big 12 went to this new format, right, with this conference yeah. championship game with the removal yeah. of divisions. I think we expected to see Texas OU Part 2 uh, more often than not. And so far it's only happened once. And once again, both teams have to run the table. I mean, there, there's a clear path for both of them to get to Arlington and play each other at some point in December, but uh, not there yet. But that would obviously be fascinating if we do get that rematch this year. And, hell, who knows if Tom Herman's job is on the line in that one if they do see each other again. Uh, Let's see. Harrison's got a couple more questions if we want to hit those before we move on to the rest of the games in the conference. Yeah, a couple of Texas-related questions. About B. John Robinson. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was doing pregame, and I was watching. The end of the Texas game was going on during the OU game, the first part of it. So, B. John Robinson's crazy run, I didn't necessarily see that. But has he – has he elevated himself as Texas' best running back? Is is that has that what's what's happened yeah. here? Yeah, I mean the only thing that's stopping him is the Texas coaching staff. They insist on having this ridiculous running back rotation. I mean Keontae Ingram didn't play. He's dealing with an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain, so he missed the game on Saturday. He might miss another game or two for Texas. But Bijan Robinson, twelve carries, one hundred and thirteen yards. I mean, averaged more than nine yards a clip. Yet, for some reason, he only had 12 carries. I mean, every time he touched the ball, he was making things happen. Also had two catches for 38 yards, too. Like, literally every time he touched the ball, good things were happening for Texas. Yet, for some reason, the combination of Roshan Johnson and Sam Ellinger got 22 carries. Wow. Like, I I don't understand it. I mean, it's been an issue for Tom Herman all year long. It's been an issue for the entirety of his tenure here, like the rotations. It's not only at running back. It's at wide receiver. It's at certain spots on defense. Like, none of us can figure out the rhyme or reason behind these rotations that Tom Herman implements. And it feels like, yeah, the only thing stopping Bijan Robinson from being the clear cut number one running back on this football team and that proverbial bell cow that everybody always talks about is the coaching staff. So hopefully, Bijan's workload increases moving forward, but something tells me we're going to uh, continue to get this rotation over the final three weeks of the season. But he had a spectacular game on Saturday. Harrison, we'll get that other question here in a second because Baylor and Iowa State, wow. Bears go up 14-0 in that game. I think they were up 21-10 at halftime. And Iowa State finally woke up in the second half. And good thing for them because they would have been in an interesting spot moving forward to make the Big 12 championship game. It would have been a very Iowa State thing to, to do to lose at home to Baylor. But I, I Charlie Brewer's a good kid. I don't know where the hell he was throwing, though in the end zone on that interception that he threw. I mean, there was was no separation there. There were three defenders right there, but he still had a decent game, kept Baylor in the fight there. They just couldn't make that one big play late to finally capture the lead back. Just Baylor fought. Baylor fought as hard as they have all year long, but Iowa State just too much talent. They pull away. Yeah, and Charlie Brewer's got to die another day, right? You don't need to take that shot on second down. You still got a couple more plays to work with there. So questionable decision for him. Uh, but I think the bigger story here, because look, we, we we know Baylor's not a very good football team this year. A lot of reasons, a lot of things go into that, right? New coaching staff, obviously the truncated offseason, 
decimated by COVID. I had to miss a couple of weeks of practice due to COVID stuff. So we kind of figured Baylor would be a, a bottom tier Big 12 team this season. I will give them a ton of credit. Like you said, they fought, they fought hard. They fought to the very, very end. But the bigger story here is Iowa State, who is still in first place in this conference, but they have not looked very good in recent weeks. And I don't know what happened to Brock Purdy, dude. I, I don't know, man. I mean, there was a way, like, this is not a Big 12 homer perspective. You looked at 2021 NFL mock drafts before the start of the college football season, and you would see Brock Purdy at the back end of first rounds sure, in some of these sure. mock drafts. And he has regressed. Three interceptions on Saturday, all of them in the first half. One of them returned for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he, he 164 yards passing against an average Baylor D. Like, he looks lost. And he has looked lost for the entirety of the season. So I don't know what's going on with Brock Purdy. I don't know why he's not the same quarterback. I mean, look, he, he doesn't have that NFL wide receiver that he's had in years past. So maybe but he's got can, everything else. Maybe you can just chalk it up to that. But yeah, he's got really good tight ends. He's got a great running back in Brees Hall. The offensive line is still solid enough. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with Brock Purdy. And Iowa State, once again, they still have a chance. They still control their own destiny to uh to get to the Big 12 championship game and win the Big 12 this year. But man, if Brock Purdy doesn't somehow turn the page, yeah, I, I don't think this team's going to win its final three games of the season. Yeah, I, I think that that's what we got to do is like look back at last year. Was he able to rely on just kind of throwing it up to a NFL wide receiver all the time and getting away from it, right? Did he have like two easy reads, throw it to an NFL guy, or check it down to Kolar, who's one of the best tight ends in all of college football. But still, man, you just I, – I, I didn't see this happening. Three interceptions on Saturday. He's had a boatload of them. And again, when Oklahoma's defense was playing bad, he should have thrown about four or five interceptions that night in Ames when OU yeah. came down. And if the OU defense that's there right now shows up in Ames back in that game, he probably does throw about three or four interceptions. So he is – He's a problem moving forward, and I, I think that we can say that about a couple quarterbacks in this league. Throw Brock Purdy right there in that group with Spencer Sanders. It's We expected them to be strengths of their football team, and now you kind of have to worry about them on a week-in, week-out basis, saying, is this guy going to cost us the football game? Because if he doesn't play well, we don't have a chance to win. And I'd still pick Iowa State to win Farmageddon right now, don't get me wrong, but Kansas State's defense is very capable, and they're yeah. very capable at coming up with turnovers. Um, I think Joseph Osai is still the best defensive player in this league. I still think Texas is capable of coming up with turnovers. Like, he can't go down to Austin and play the way that he's been playing the past few weeks and expect to win. Yeah, especially the way the Longhorn Rush defense has played over the last three weeks, right? I mean, if you take away Brees Hall or at least limit what Brees Hall can do, you know, is Brock Purdy good enough at this moment to win a football game on his own? I don't know if that's the case. I mean, the last three games for Iowa State, right? Pretty decent defenses. Even West Virginia in Ames to wrap up the season. I mean, West Virginia's defense is pretty good. Yeah. We've seen that over the course of the season. So, yeah, I, it's yeah, they're finding ways to win, I guess, seemingly despite what Brock Purdy is doing. But to me, it feels like, yeah, dude, he's got to start protecting the football. He's got to make better decisions. He's got to figure something out if Iowa State really wants to run the table and get to Arlington at the end of the year. That was shocking to see on Saturday, and it's really been shocking to watch all year, just the the lack of consistency we've seen from Brock Purdy. Now, Iowa State still got good players. I mean, Brees Hall is awesome. What can you say about him, right? Another really, really good performance on the it'll, ground. He'll be all the player of the year in the conference. Yeah, 
I think you're right. Buck 33 and two touchdowns. He obviously showed up big in the second half. The tight ends, you saw Kolar. Is it Kolar or Kohler? So he went to Norman North High School, and it was Kolar around here. So maybe we were just saying it wrong the whole time because I've heard it pronounced the other way too. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends on who you ask, right? Like it, even get, guys will be like 100% confident it's pronounced Kohler. And then yeah. guys would be like, no, 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 it's it's Kolar. I don't know. I well, can't how, how long did we say Jadavion Clowney before it was finally like the NFL draft? Like, oh, it's Jadavion Clowney. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I don't know. I guess he's one of those guys, too. It should be a lot easier than Jadavion, but uh, who knows? But, yeah, he played well, obviously. I mean, Chase Allen, another touchdown for him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the big conversation for Iowa State right now is Brock Purdy. And, and we talk about it. Look, this is another time, another year where Iowa State has a shot to get to the conference title game. They've been in positions over the last two or three years to really take that next step, but they've always come up short. Now, to this point, they haven't had that big slip-up. I wouldn't call a loss in Stillwater uh, to Oklahoma State a slip-up really at all. I mean, that's that's a quality loss if there is such a thing. But now they're in prime position, and maybe that game in Austin here is similar to 2018, right? We talked about that last week, where that was sort of a de facto Big 12 semifinal in 2018, and Iowa State flat-out laid an egg. Uh, they had three points until the last five minutes of the game. They lost 24 to 10. They were never in that game against Texas. Like they're going to have those opportunities again this year. Can they actually take that next step? Or is Iowa State always going to be that team that's just a little bit short in terms of the big picture things in this conference? Yeah, I mean, it's just history with their program. They can't get over this hump. Like early 2000s, like they have a site called Wide Right, Natty Light. Didn't they? I, I know that they lost a chance at a Big 12 championship berth because they lost to Kansas. Maybe oh two, oh four, something like that. Isn't that right? They lost. They missed a field goal against yes. the and lost. Yeah, I can't remember what year that was, and I also can't believe that they make fun of that. Uh, it's <laughs> got to be like one of their lowest moments in in program. Wide history. right, Natty Light. Hey, and man. then you just you okay. name your uh, you name your whole blog after that, which I guess you got to have some fun with it. But uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see Texas fans doing something like that, right? Naming uh naming a blog after the speed yeah. option play that Colt McCoy ran in the national Ooh. championship game in 09. Like that's, that just seems, uh, that seems pretty stupid. And Shotgun 45. What was it called that Vince ran in shotgun 45 or something like that? I don't know. I remember seeing that on freaking every t-shirt at the OU Texas game in 06. And it made me want to damn barf. Oh man. I don't know. Shotgun 45, something like that. So yeah. Happy for you, Vince. Happy that you got one of those rings. So there you Harrison go. There's the last uh, three games. Purdy has a TD interception ratio of six to five. Yeah. That ain't good. Hey, if that continues down the stretch, they're not, they're not playing in that big 12 championship game that we're talking about. No, they might lose to Kansas state and Texas. If that happens. Yeah. That's going to be a fun game in a couple of weeks. Right. And obviously we'll be back on Thursday to preview this Saturday's games, but there's only two games this Saturday yeah. and there's, no one really good playing this Saturday. I mean, you don't have really any conference title implications coming up this weekend with TCU West Virginia and Baylor Texas Tech, your two games on the docket. But the following week, yeah, some massive games, obviously Bedlam, and you've got Farmageddon as well. Texas does play. They play against Kansas, so nothing should happen there. But the Longhorns have struggled to put Kansas away in the uh, in the Tom Herman era. So, yeah, three big games coming up a week from Saturday that uh, will go directly into the t- deciding who's going to be playing at Jerry World in December. I uh, humble brag here. I did oh. go to the OU Kansas game on Saturday. I was uh, I, I found my way in one of the suites. No big deal. Oh, look at you! Unlimited Rice Krispie treats. Okay, just it was pretty amazing. Had a few uh, 
What a random snack. A few Dos uh, in there, some fajitas, a cheeseburger. God, I was so fat in there. It's wow. disgusting. I mean, you have to be. You have to be when you're in a suite, right? You've got open bar, unlimited food. You got to go all out in that situation, dude. That seriously, I and and I don't, I, I don't roll like that. There's no way I could do that for every single game of the year. That's, that's the way to do it, man. I mean, seriously. yeah, especially it's the way to do it for crappy games like Kansas because you can just watch the other games that are going on and eat like a fat ass in there the entire time. I mean, that's that's kind of what you do. Come on, man. You're telling me you couldn't do that every week? If you had the opportunity, you didn't have any work obligations, but someone you knew had a suite every Saturday at Gaylord, and you could go watch a game there with unlimited food, unlimited booze No, every I, week. No, I would do it. I'm just saying I don't I don't have the cash flow to roll I got like doing that every single week. I got yeah. yeah. No, you're right, though. I do agree. Like, if you are going to get one game, you want it to be a game like that to where you know you don't have to stress. You know you can really enjoy yourself, enjoy the conversations – Watch some of the other games going on, and yeah, obviously eat and drink like a pig for uh, for four or five hours. Well done, sir. I'm happy for you. That's, yeah, uh, thanks. Awesome. But every time I was looking up, OU's defensive line was in the backfield and getting one of their nine sacks on the day, uh, like tied a school record nine sacks on Saturday. How about an OU defense tying some school some sort of a school record right now? Yeah. Lately, has been hard to fathom, but. Kansas is not a very good football team. They're a young football team, so hopefully in two to three years they're starting to play pretty competitively. But so you defense playing at a playing at a pretty high level right now. They're getting turnovers, TFL sacks. They they look pretty good, man. Yeah, it's three weeks in a row, right? And once again, they haven't played any of the top tier teams in this league. But the first month of conference play for Oklahoma, they just didn't have the ability to put all three phases together consistently for four quarters. And it's been three weeks in a row where they've done just that. And I think the defense has been the most impressive part, right? I mean, we've seen Oklahoma win this league with horrible defenses, even worse than the defense we saw in the first month of the season. For I the thought season. 2018 was their worst defense in school history. Yeah. And they still found a way to win the big 12. So they don't need to have a, a great, even a good defense to win this conference. I think that's been proven, but the fact that their defense has become good and hell has been playing great over the last three weeks uh, definitely gives them a chance and it makes you feel like they're the best team in this league right now. And once again, the favorites to win this league. Yeah. So Spencer Rattler takes a shot in the end zone. He gets hurt. Uh, Lincoln Riley says he should be okay. It's just kind of a deep bruise. They've got two weeks to heal up and get ready to go. He was back in the second half. Rattler said he was playing at 50% in the game. Stogkowski, that's what we call him now. Not Austin Stogner. Austin Stogkowski, because he looks like Rob Gronkowski out there. No, he also has on. a deep bruise. He should be back. What, you don't like that? That's a reef and a half right there. Okay. Unbelievable. I'll eat my words if he's uh, wearing a gold jacket at the end of his NFL career, I guess. Okay. Well, maybe he just parties like Stogkowski. Oh, does he? I I mean, I I don't know, but Rob Gronkowski, the only reason he really went to Arizona is because of the pool parties that they had out there, which that's as good a reason as any. Yeah, I was about to say, smart man right there. (laughs) He he did it right going to Arizona. I, I wish I went to Arizona at times, looking at some of the videos and pictures and hearing some stories that come from uh, from Tucson there. That sounds like a hell of a time. But yeah, St- I mean, Stogner's a great player, all jokes aside. Yeah, no, he, he is. He's been awesome, and it's just – I mean, Oklahoma's sort of become tight end you over the last few years. I mean, it seems like they always have a Sunday type of player, an impact type of player at that position, and, and Stogner's just next in line. Boy, they, they just look like a different running game right now with uh, Ramondre Stevenson back. TJ Pledger's a nice player. Seth McGowan's a young player. He's going to turn into something special, but – 
what Ramondre Stevenson gives you right now, the first guy never brings, brings him down. And if it's a one-on-one situation, he's not being brought down either unless he's being pushed out of bounds. He had a pretty sick touchdown run for the first touchdown of the game on Saturday. He's just – I don't know. He, he brings a different element to this run game. Ronnie Perkins helped spring a different element to this defense. They are just – they're, they're playing really good football right now, and we'll see if they can carry that momentum through the bye week, but they just they they just look like they've finally woken up, and they're, they're playing right now like they're the best team in the conference. Yeah, uh, you get two of your best players back, right? I mean, that's always yep. going to be a shot-in-the-arm type of situation. And for Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, just the fact that his legs are fresh, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone else in this conference is sort of beaten down and bruised up after a couple of months of play, and here comes Ramondre Stevenson, already a really talented running back, but – He's taken nowhere in terror, right? He hasn't been dinged up at all this season. So here you go. Now you got to deal with this, another horse in the stable for that Oklahoma Sooners backfield. So, yeah, he looks really good. Not that hard to look really good against Kansas this year. But, no, it's it's three weeks in a row for Oklahoma. And, and that's their biggest thing, right? I mean, we talk about their defense obviously turning a corner. But, once again, they can win this league with average to below average defense. The run game is the thing that needed to turn the corner for Oklahoma and really, since that Texas game, it's done just that. The offensive line has started to impose its will like it normally does. They've started to look like the group that I think we expected uh, going into 2020. And then obviously, the running backs. I mean, you've got three or four guys you can rely on with Stevenson coming back. So that's been uh, that's been the biggest thing for Oklahoma. I think you could probably agree with that. And if that running game stays the way it's been staying or the way it's been playing over the last few weeks, then they're probably going to win number six. Tech and TCU, I'll be honest, live, I didn't watch any of that game. Just kind of caught the highlights, looked at the box score, things like that. TCU looked like they had a pretty easy time with that. TCU is just hard to figure out for me, man. Like, who, who, who are they? Are they the team that's on a two-game winning streak? Are they the team that went to Austin to win? Are they the team that got blown out at home by Oklahoma? Like, who who is who is TCU? And maybe that in itself is the answer. They're, they're a different team – on a week-in, week-out basis. They're never a top-three team in this league, and maybe they're never a bottom-three team in this league. They're just somewhere kind of right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, a couple of storylines from this game. Uh, we'll get to a head-scratching coaching decision made by Matt Wells that I think cost Texas Tech a chance to win this game or at least a chance to make this game really interesting down the stretch. Uh, Max Duggan cost a lot of people some money with that long touchdown run he had in the final few minutes. I think an 81-yard touchdown run, which ended up covering the spread for TCU. So a lot of folks happy, a lot of folks very unhappy with what Max Duggan did late in the game on Saturday. Uh, The big question for TCU is what do they do with that guy beyond this year? Like, he was a beast running the football, three rushing touchdowns, but 11 of 23 for 73 yards passing and a pick. I mean, 3.2 yards per attempt against this Texas Tech defense. Are you kidding me? Like right. what does Max Duggan, I, I, you know, they have some other options this year. They've got Downing, they've got Brown, but like does Max Duggan give you the best chance to win beyond this year? I think that's what TCU has to figure out because his arm is just, I mean, unless he's playing Texas, his arm is not very good. Huh. Uh, so that's an issue. And then for Texas Tech, I got to get to this decision. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if this made the highlights because it wasn't really a highlight, but fourth quarter, 27 to 18 is the score. So TCU up by nine. They're up by two possessions. Tech's got the football. They do a great job forcing a turnover on downs to give themselves a chance. They drive down the field. They get to the TCU 19-yard line with 244 to play. They've got a second down and four. What does Matt Wells do? He trots out the field goal unit on second and four. 
because they're down by two scores, right? So he's like, all right, let's kick our field goal now and then try to get the ball back and score a touchdown. But on second down with a bad kicker, like Trey Wolf has not been automatic this year, with a bad kicker on second down, instead of trying to continue the drive and scoring a touchdown, right, getting the harder part of the two scores, he settles for a field goal. And Trey Wolf misses the 37-yarder, and then nice. you've got the dagger, Max Duggan touchdown run. So, wow. yeah, I mean, a lot of Tech fans are are up in arms. I mean, I, I don't know how confident they were in winning this football game, although the last five years of this sort of rivalry, the road team has won the game. So maybe Tech fans thought they had a chance to go into Fort Worth and, and beat TCU. But that type of coaching decision right there, I mean, Matt Wells, I don't think he's on the hot seat by any stretch, but he's still trying to win over a lot of Tech fans doing stuff like that. That's not going to help a whole lot. Well, yeah, I'm, and I, I guess I just heard from a few Tech fans, like they're still pissed about blowing that lead to Texas. And oh, yeah. that put him on the wrong side of things with the Tech fan base. And then you throw out a decision like this. Like, look, a lot of coaching decisions, how they work out, are pretty hindsight to how we react to it. And I, But I don't think that this is that hindsight. I, th- I just think that that's stupid. That, that, that's a stupid way to go about the football game with, like you said – 34 yards in college football is not automatic, even with a good kicker. I mean, Gabe Burkich, like, he'd been automatic throughout his Oklahoma career. He had a field goal shorter than that in the OU-Texas game, and he hooks it wide left. So you, college kickers, you don't – 34 yards is not automatic, especially with a bad kicker. Like, what what, what, are, you, what are you doing? And this and, one was 37, too, 37, 37 yards. Sorry. One. Yeah, sorry. No. Yeah, either so, way, no, your, your point's there, no. man. I mean, yeah, it's – on second down, on second down to do that makes absolutely no sense, especially when your offense is driving and moving the football pretty well. Uh, that's just a lack of trust in in your offense, which is not a good look, and it's too much faith in your kicker who has not been automatic this year. I, you know, I, I don't know how you explain that one. And I didn't listen to the Tech post game. I apologize for that. So I didn't I didn't get to hear Matt Wells's explanation for why he did that. But whatever he said wasn't right. wasn't going to be good enough to defuse the situation at all. Jeez. All right, we got a few minutes remaining while we're on here. So uh, if you want any comments, we can talk Big 12 football. We can talk national football, whatever. But fill up that comment section before we get out of here. Again, we'll be back Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, right here on Twitch. Um, A&M is in great shape to, to make the college football playoff. I, I, I still think that they're going to A&M all over themselves and lose at Tennessee or lose at Auburn, somewhere like that. But they – their only loss is at Alabama, which everyone mm-hmm. excuses that, like, oh, God, who could win at Alabama? That home win they have at Florida, especially since Florida beat Georgia on Saturday, looks massive right now, right? Like, A&M may not even have to go to the SEC championship game to make the college football playoff. Like, how does how does Texas fans feel right now seeing A&M, the perennial little brother, have a legitimate chance like this to, to make the four-team playoff? I'll tell you what. If you're a Texas fan or just an A&M hater, Notre Dame winning on Saturday was huge. Yeah, that's true. I mean, right now, if things go according to plan, which they never do, which is why we love college football so much, right? Things never go according to plan. But if the teams take care of the business they're supposed to take care of, and I'm assuming that Clemson and Notre Dame play each other in the ACC championship game, and I'm assuming Trevor Lawrence is back, and I'm assuming Clemson wins that game – if Notre Dame wins the rest of their games, if Clemson wins the rest of their games, if Alabama wins out, if Ohio State wins out, then your college football playoff is set right there. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing that AM can do since they won't play in that SEC championship game. There is nothing that they can do 
to get into the final four. So if you're an Aggie fan, you're rooting for some chaos the rest of the way. Because if Clemson would have won on Saturday and they would have beaten Notre Dame again in the conference championship to give the Irish two losses, then yeah, if AM runs the table, they might be your fourth team right there. So now, yeah, they need to win out. They need they need some help as well. I mean, the schedule has set up very nicely for AM and give them credit. I mean, they they dominated South Carolina. Yeah, I was surprised the line was only 10. I guess it's a road game in a relatively tough environment at Williams Price, even though you've got reduced capacity. But that game was never close against the Cox of USC, the fake USC. Uh, but now AM, I mean, they've got what, you know, LSU. Normally a tough game, but this year, not really. LSU will get up for this Saturday against Alabama, and LSU will play well to their standards, whatever that is. After this game, after this game, LSU season's over. They're done. Forget about yeah. it. They won't get up for another game this year. And then you've got, uh, what, a trip to Jordan-Hare, right? I think that's a road game for a Yeah, no, it is. It's the last game of the year for a Last game of the year, but, like, Auburn's not that good. Like, but uh, Auburn's very average I right agree. now. So I, I, I think a and going to be favored in that game. And I, I do too. They've got one other weak opponent. I can't remember, but like a bottom feeder in the SEC left. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that win over Florida already was big at the time. And the fact that Florida just kind of stomped on Georgia on Saturday uh, makes it look even better. So, yeah, I mean, the Aggies, look, we saw Alabama do it a couple of years ago. Now, Bama has more skins on the wall than A&M. So maybe that went into things, but – they one year didn't even play in the conference championship game, but they still found their way into the college football playoff as the four seed, and they won it all that year against Georgia in what 2017, 2018, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, so that's the path for the Aggies right now, and and they look legit, man. I mean, do I think they're as good as any of the top four teams I just mentioned? No, I think if Florida played them again, Florida would probably win. Uh, and that game was in College Station, so AM took advantage of that as well. So do I think AM's like a top four or five team in the country? Probably not, but. Man, I mean, if they continue the way they're playing right now, they they definitely have a shot to uh, to get there. Uh, Harrison's got one more question before we get out of here. We got a little SEC trash talk. Yeah, the SEC is weak, though, top to bottom. Alabama and Florida are legit. Every other team they beat has a losing record. An overall record of their games they beat, excluding Florida, is more than five games under five hundred. Yeah, um, LSU's down this year. Auburn is down this year. Mississippi State's not even close to what some people hoped. I think Georgia isn't as good as a lot of people thought. But So that that's valid. But Bama's legit. Florida's legit. And I think A&M's a pretty good football team. I really do. So they still have their fair share of good teams in that league. Yeah. And no, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Like, top to bottom, it's not the same SEC, right? I mean, Tennessee, you thought maybe they would take a step. They've been bad. Kentucky who's been kind of relevant over the last few years. They can't score to save their lives. It's a down year for Auburn, down year for LSU. Like, yeah, there's only a couple of really good teams in this league, and I I think there's only four quality teams in this conference. Like, if you put Auburn in the Big 12 this year, I I think they already have a loss or two in this league. Yeah, Hell, they they should have – I mean, they've been given given games by SEC refs this year. Unless you lost Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. And to uh, the Ole Miss, too. Like, they've been given two games, so I don't think they're good at all. So – yeah, I mean, there's four quality teams in the or in the SEC this year. It's Bama, it's Florida, it's A&M, and it's Georgia. But look, I, I mean, I, elite, we sometimes throw elite around too willy-nilly, but A&M's pretty damn close to elite right now. And yeah, they, you know, their schedule's opening up nicely for them. But if you beat Florida, man, like you beat a top five team like that, 
you know, you can't knock them. I know they got crushed by Alabama, and I think if they made the college football playoff and had to play a Bama again or a Clemson or an Ohio State, they'd lose by multiple scores and probably get run out of the building, if we're being quite honest. But uh, they're they're a really good team right now, and that defense is absolutely rolling, and Kellen Mond is finally putting games together. He's finally playing consistently. So this is a, a dream scenario for a and I think. Um, last thing, I hate to circle the wagons already, but, you know, Spartan Barton on here is commenting on the chat saying how big of an idiot I am for putting money on Ian Book to win the Heisman Trophy. I just – I don't know if you guys saw who was the winning quarterback in the biggest game right now today. <laughs> and, hey, that's why we put that bet there. We're not Ian Book believers. We just thought that, well, he might get to play Clemson twice, and if he does beat him twice – then the kid's got a great chance to win the Heisman Trophy, plus the odds were plus 5,000. Are you kidding me? So, yeah. what a game. Down, go. That's all I'm saying. What a game on saying. Saturday night. I mean, what a game. That lived up to the hype. That exceeded my expectations tenfold. Uh, that was special. That was special theater. And loving, love seeing, you know, save the COVID comments, right? But just, right. it was so good to see fans rush a field. Like yeah. that's just one of those things you take for granted, right? Because in a normal year, it's happened a million times by now. Uh, so that was, yeah, COVID, not great. COVID's probably like sitting here in the corner, like rubbing its hands together with a little conniving smile. Without, without soap, by the way. COVID yeah. Was running, without running soap. Together. But that was, that was an awesome scene at Notre Dame Stadium. Well, it's a spectacular place to watch a, uh, to watch a football game. I think we've both been there uh, to watch our teams play. It's awesome. That was a great moment for Notre Dame. First win over a number one team since, what, 99 against Florida State. Uh, the Clemson defense, they were banged up, and they'll probably be healthier when they play again in the ACC title game, and Trevor Lawrence will be back. So I think Clemson's going to win that game, the rematch. But give Notre Dame credit, man. I mean, even even without Trevor Lawrence, even knowing the injuries Clemson had, I still thought Clemson was going to win that game and also cover the five and a half. I didn't think it'd be a blowout, but I thought they'd win it, you know, by seven to ten points, something like that. Notre Dame – and they shot themselves in the foot a couple of times. They got punched in the mouth a couple of times. But every time they did, they were able to get up off the mat and found a way to win the game of the year to this point in college football. Clemson will win the rematch against those two teams, and they'll probably do it pretty pretty handily. But, hey, if Clemson loses again, college football playoff could be out of the equation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think we're going to lose again, okay? But still, like – Clemson, you better not you better not lose again or it's all over, guys. Like be careful here. Back and that would be, that'd be 2020, right? Like that would be the most 2020 thing ever to see this year's Clemson team, who was pretty much I mean, it was them or Ohio State, it felt like, right? But once Ohio State, we thought they weren't going to play this year. So everybody started picking Clemson to win it all. Uh, if they don't even make the playoff, that'd be a fitting end to what's been the craziest year ever. All right, we'll be back Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, right here on Twitch. Thanks to all, thanks for all the comments. Thanks to American Betting Experts. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.